Towson is the original Maryland State Teachers College. So they have like a very long history of quality teaching program. And I mean, I'm biased because I went there, but I think it's awesome. <laughs> like it, it prepared me so well for my job. And I loved, I loved it. We are, a lot of our professors were teachers that were practicing. So we were like getting really good frontline. This is what's going on in education, right? This second experience from people who were doing it. And I loved that. And when we started, we were in a cohort, like small 15 people, but we were in schools right away. Like starting the first time that we went, we were in Baltimore city schools. So we got to do a semester there and we, we got to learn about the ins and outs of urban education and what that looks like. Cause a lot of us, I wasn't familiar with that. And so we got to experience that and we were teaching lessons. And then we moved to Baltimore County, which is very diverse. Like you can go from one side that is almost like rural area to, if you ever listen to the serial podcast, do you, that's yeah. in Baltimore County. So that's the other side, you know, like there was such diversity. It was awesome. So we got to bounce around there and try different things. And then we went to our like student teaching experience was a whole year. And so you, you went to work in a county and you had two different, um, like I taught in fifth and second grade for a year. And so we got like a very wide range of experiences. We got to be like involved right away. It was great. It, it was really just the best preparation program. I are, are you certified K through five, K through so, eight? I don't know. Different programs like break it down differently. Yeah. So when I graduated, I was one through eight. Okay. But then when I moved to Pennsylvania, I'm K to six. Okay. <laughs> See and then it changes again because now I think it's like early childhood to four and now yeah and, that, and yeah and it's always tricky i mean like you know my english certification or license is six through 12 but i'm dabbling with the idea of getting a certificate or you know an add-on or something to do gifted ed but if you do most gifted programs those are k through 12 so you know and i i so my student teaching you know was we did um i think it was two i want to say it was two six-week stints it was basically a semester split in half. Mm -hmm. So I did, you know, let's call it six weeks, something like that at a high school. And then I did six weeks at a middle school. So I did like 11th grade and then eighth grade and then hit graduation. And I went back to that original high school and I long-term subbed for the end of the school year. So I went back because they, they planned that very nicely. My coordinating or cooperating teacher mm -hmm. was pregnant. And so she knew she was going to need a sub. So she signed up to host a student teacher in the hopes that I was not going to be terrible. And after two weeks of things going, okay, they offered me the long-term sub job at the end of the year. So that way I already knew the kids and it was cool, but so you, you know, but that, that whole thing. So I got a full semester plus say a month, month and a half. And that actually seemed pretty decent because at least I got to hit two different grade levels. You know, I got middle and high school. You did a full school year student. Yeah. Teacher. So we did first and fourth. Now in elementary school, it's, uh, it used to be like marking periods or quarters. So we did first and fourth in one and then second and third in, a, in the other. So we got to really see the kids at the beginning as far as to the beginning as you could. And you get to see them at the end. That's cool. It, it was awesome. And now like where, where I'm doing student teaching, working with student teachers now, they have one placement. So even if you're early childhood to fourth, like I had one in kindergarten and one in first. They do that same thing for a whole semester. And I think elementary is hard because, I mean, not that other, other things aren't hard, but the difference between, like I went from teaching personally, I taught first grade, then I went to fifth. That is a big difference, mm -hmm. you know? So if you're being certified to teach those two ends, you should have some experience, I would think, because really when you're trying to get a job, you're taking whatever job you get. So you can say, 
I want to teach first grade, but what if it's a fourth grade job? Are you going to say, no, I think I'll wait. I mean, elementary (laughs) jobs are just not. I'd rather not have a job in any money. That's fine. (laughs) Yeah, no. And I think you're right because I mean, I work with, I work with a woman who is fantastic. She's a really, really good teacher and she teaches freshman English. And she doesn't want to teach anything else. She's one of, I think, three people in our department who has enough English master's credits or whatever to teach the dual enrollment classes with the community college. And she refuses. So the other two teachers have to take those classes because I think she also like, I think she stayed home with her kids for a while and then came back. And I don't, I don't know the details of it, but I'm assuming her husband must make decent money. Um, and, and I say that just because anytime they even hint that she might need to take a dual enrollment class or teach another grade level. She just says, you know, I'll just quit. <laughs> like I'll just quit. Cause she just, she loves freshmen and that's it. You know, and I have some very good friends who teach elementary school and I'm thinking of one in particular, she's fifth grade and that's all she wants to deal with. She's like fifth grade. That's it. And now she has enough seniority that I doubt they would ever move her. Um, but when you talk to her versus you talk to someone who teaches first grade or second grade, just them talking about the classroom is so different. And you think like, you're right. The difference between first and fifth grade is way bigger than the difference between ninth and 12th grade, you know? And, and so while you need to be open-minded to it, you probably need to have that experience in terms of getting the experience, like say the student teaching aspect, but also you mentioned how a lot of your professors, when you were at Towson, a lot of them were still practicing teachers or at least recently practicing teachers mm-hmm. at James Madison university where I went, we had uh, one or two, you know, who were either still teaching or had taught recently. A lot of them were professors, you know, like they're, they're professors. And you had some who were very clearly pushing their own, um, their own methods and creating a lot of materials and they were doing a lot of publishing. And I, I think in a, in a way they were playing the, the higher ed game of trying, you know, JMU's a, a good school. It's, you know, 15 to, I don't know, maybe they're 18,000 kids now. It has sort of turned into a, a place where a lot of people use it as a launch point to get into like an SEC or a Big Ten school to, to a bigger university. And so I think we saw a lot of that. So I had a lot of classes that were, I wouldn't even call it theory. It was just, it was heavy on like sort of the research, the data supported methods of the moment or that supported what that professor was trying to publish. And I'm always a very practical person. And so I, I was doing a lot of hand raising and saying, you know, but no one's ever going to actually do that. And like some of the professors really liked me and thought it was funny and it was a good discussion. And I had a couple. Like when I got my master's, the only class that I didn't get an A and I got an A minus, uh, she dinged me a bunch of points on a final project that literally like, no, I don't even think she read them. And so, and, and it was just because I kept saying, this isn't practical. No one's going to do it. <laughs> and, but I think it was just cause she was so far removed from, from that, from that classroom. So like when you're thinking about either your own experience or now working with student teachers, do you feel like young teachers are getting the best guidance? Like, I'm not saying that a person with a doctorate who's doing research shouldn't be teaching. I'm not arguing that they don't have a role in this, but maybe we do need a few more active teachers there to play the role of like an active mentor. But right. I'm, I'm, I'm removed from that. Do you feel like they're getting enough of that kind of support? I think that what we're kind of talking about is the science and the art of teaching. There is a science to teaching. There's the theory, the foundation that's important. I mean, think about, I would assume you had it. Like, did you guys have child development theory and that kind of stuff when you were in, you probably didn't, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I took, I, I screwed up my gen ed packages. So I took more psychology classes than any English major would ever need to. Um, so I took early childhood, I, you name it, I took a psych class on how kids' brains develop because I kept screwing up picking the wrong ones. <laughs> but but there, there's a science to that, you know, and I think that's what you're talking about. And the current research and how it has developed from the theories that we're familiar with, I think there's a place for that. But I think that teaching is an art too. And I think that someone who is practicing or recently practicing has some insights into how that functionally works and how you make that your own. And I think there's value in that. And so it depends on where you are. I think, you know, the education department that I work in now is a lot of doctors, but it's small. And so, you know, I I think there's a balance probably that, that needs to be made somehow. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how they achieve that. You know, I, I think that there's good in both things. I think that there's good in students experiencing both things, but too much of either thing is probably not the right answer. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just like this year I'm mentoring a first year teacher. I did that. I'd done it once before formally several years ago and I, I like it. And this year it's easy because the guy, he's really, really good. Like I, he could get no help and he would still be in the top half of our department less than awesome. a year in. So my job has been very he's easy. Well, it, once in a while. Yeah. I mean, probably. Um, but it, it's been, it's been easy in that way, but I like that role because again, I think that there's so many things that you can do on paper or that you can do in theory that make you look like a good teacher, but there are a lot of things that you, the things that actually make you effective are not always so easily quantified. And so it doesn't disregard the data. It just means that there's got to be a qualitative piece to it as well. And I think it's hard to maybe hit that in teacher preparation programs um, I think it's probably hard to hit that for some administrative, you know, policy decisions just within the district. You know, how far do we go on just do the methods, collect the data versus you let your teachers have enough wiggle room that they can create the culture within their classroom or create the right relationships with those students? Because, you know, the best methods in the world don't work if everyone in the room hates the teacher. So there's got to be a balance. I just don't know how you necessarily achieve that. If you could design for yourself so I, I'm not asking you to step on the toes of your employer or your coworkers or anything else. Thinking back to your schooling, whatever else, what do you think would be the ideal way to prepare? Like now that you've been through school, you've taught, you're supervising young teachers, what do you think just for yourself would have been the best way to prepare if you knew then what you know now kind of do? So if you consider like the Danielson model that we work in for being evaluated, I think that we could spend more time on the basics of planning and preparation. What does that look like? What does good planning look like? What are resources you should be using when you're planning? How do you create assessments? Um, And I think that some of that is intended to be weaved into other things. Um, But the reality is we're preparing teachers less, like for elementary level, we're preparing less for a content and we're preparing more for everything. You know, like when you teach elementary, you teach everything. And so do I think that there's value in a reading class, like really children's literature? Yes, that's important. And there, there's a, like a reading methods class. That is one of the most valuable classes I ever had when I was in college. Like how do you teach kids to read? What resources, what tools do you use? How do you know what to do? Um, that is important. But I think there, there is a need for more intentional teaching on some of the, the basic things that, that you need to know how to do. Because do you, when, you, when you say that, and, and I'm 
I want you to answer how you want. I just want to make sure I'm clear because I, I wrote something on my website a few months ago about how I think a lot of teachers, maybe especially in elementary because you teach so many things, but even in the high school level, we're always doing professional development and it's always on like a new software, a new, you know, a new method, a new data collection. It's always like pedagogy or data collection or something like that. And I always feel like, you know, it would be good if we just brushed up on our content once in a while. And so when you say like teach you think teachers would benefit more from like how to do those basic things. Are you thinking about creating assessments and classroom management and those kinds of things? Or when you say that, are you referring to the content side of the job? Like when you say the basic things they need, what does that mean? Okay. So for elementary, you've, you've, I'm sure experienced this as well. There is a constant overhaul every several years. When I started teaching reading, we came up with all of our own lessons. We didn't have a like, we did what we wanted to and what we felt was necessary for the kids that we had, which was an amazing freedom. But then you need to know how to, to do that. You need to know how to write units. You need, and, and we had obviously standards that we're trying to cover in general. So that's not to say I had like free reign of everything, but I had a lot of freedom in that. Then you fast forward to now, a lot of schools are all scripted. And so you don't have that freedom anymore. It's taken from you. But the reality is you still need to know how to write an objective, create some very specific proceed, like you need to know, have an assessment, you need to create procedures, you need to be able to understand and be able to do the basics of a lesson, regardless of what the, the curriculum is that you're given. And so that's where if we're looking long term, how to prepare teachers in their 40 year career, or whatever they're going to teach, it's going to change so often, but some of those things are never going to change, you know? And so we, and that's the part that I feel like we need to spend more time on. What are those things that are always going to be the same, no matter what? And then the other pieces, you know, you can. Bring yeah. In. And, and as, as you're saying that, and you know, no one, no one sees the, the video here, but you did the pendulum swing with your hand, which was actually, you know, I could probably count five basic things I've I should do that sometime. There's probably only a handful of basic things that I learned in my teacher ed classes that have really been like good to know to make me like a good teacher. And one of them is the idea that the sort of the trends or the, the level of freedom versus control or whatever, everything's sort of a continuum and it's this pendulum that goes back and forth. And so, you know, I'm in college 2000, what, 2001 to 2005, 2006 with the master's. And the professors were all talking about how there's, you know, we're dealing with this increase in standardized testing and that they were predicting we're going to get more of it, not less of it. But then they kept saying like, just don't worry about it. Make sure you cover your standards. In 20 years, you'll be back to whatever. And sure enough, at least in the state of Virginia, we're now reducing the number of standardized tests that kids are taking. Like they're still there, but they're doing fewer. And, and you know, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's really true. But you know, in the end, you're right. I still need to be able to write a quiz. Like for all the project-based learning we're trying to do for all of the performance assessment pieces, that's great. In the end, if I really just need to make sure you know 10 things, I should probably be able to write a good 10 to 20 question quiz just to quick check the knowledge. That's not the end all be all. You know, I still love the project or performance, but if, if you skip your 10 question quiz, then you're either not getting any good information about what they know, or you're getting that information in such an inefficient way. Like you're wasting so much time to just get some basic feedback from the kids on like, what do they know and what don't they know? You know, I think about assessment being like this really important piece of the job. And especially with all the data collection, you know, initiatives we have now. And the, the professor, I, I actually, 
I don't off the top of my head, I don't remember his name, but I, I wouldn't name him anyway. Uh, great guy, very smart, but he was always involved in like grant writing for the university. He was always getting these like million dollar grants and all this stuff. So the semester that I had my assessment and evaluation class, he canceled every class for the entire semester, except I think four. I think we met four times in the whole semester. And he told us that in the first week. And he's like, it's important that you read the book. I'm going to post some articles, give you this, that read the stuff, make sure you read the stuff and you do it. And in the end, I, I learned at least the basics, I think pretty well. But I also think that this was a guy who essentially was thinking, I have bigger fish to fry. You know, our department needs this money. And his superiors clearly had to be okay with it because it wasn't like, hush, hush, everyone knew we're only meeting like four times or whatever it was, three, four, five times in the semester. And so it's a very important piece that they sort of allowed to be brushed off, right? Now, we had a good book, we had good materials. And so I don't think that I didn't learn the basics, but I've always wondered like how much more could I have learned if we had had a more thorough class? As we've gone to both more project-based learning now, more performance pieces, and we still have the standardized tests hanging around that other people have written, or I don't know, you know, county to county or district to district, sometimes you do like, you know, a county-wide assessment and benchmark stuff. Are teachers getting that better or worse than I did? If everything's supposed to be a project and then we have standardized tests, in the end, it, it starts to sound like that person doesn't need to know how to write a good assessment themselves. But I think that that's an important part of the job. I think it's something that should still be included. Is that something that you think students are getting? Maybe downplayed even more than I experienced. I I don't know. And and I think we're kind of like, it's hard to speak from just like my small microcosm I got going on here. But I would say that I think we're approaching another massive shift. You know, um, I think distance learning is highlighting some of that for us. When you and I went to school, No Child Left Behind came out in 2001. And so what this, standardized testing started then really, but it kind of, by the time we were done with college, it was only just the impacts of that were really picking up, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I was in college, we talked about that, but we didn't, that wasn't our main focus. I still felt like I got a good education on creating assessments and how you use those assessments to drive instruction. Then you wonder once we, everything became standardized, did they take that out? Like you're saying, because it's standardized, you know, so we don't have that anymore. Well, now we're transitioning again because there's just this idea of um, like 21st century students and how do we prepare, prepare students for this global economy and how do we create people who can do more than take the standardized test because that's not what the global job market mandates from them. So that's why we're moving to project-based learning where it's these assessments based on kids being able to think critically and collaboratively and communicate their ideas in different ways. So do you really see an end of that? I, I don't think so. So yeah, I think that you know, college is going to be catching up to that idea that, oh, now we need to learn to make these different assessments. It's, you, know, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of... A- it's, it's, it's always like a, a chicken and an egg kind of thing. Like, are we doing this because somebody learned about it previously? Or are we learning about it because this is what was just happening? Or, you know, and it's this weird sort of cyclical thing. Like, it's hard to figure out who's leading, like who's driving the bus, so to speak. Like, you know, and, and we're just sort of doing things. And I, I, I don't know that there's always like clear purpose in it, you know, and, and maybe that's good. Maybe it's good that there isn't an easily identifiable sort of puppet master that puts it all together. But sometimes I think we jump on to new trends because they're new trends and that's dangerous. 